May our thoughts, words, and actions be holy and acceptable in your sight. May God, our rock, and our redeemer. Ooh, that is quite the gospel reading. You have, you know, hating your parents, hating your siblings. You know, if you want to follow Jesus, you have to get rid of everything. Wow. You know, we're so immersed in the tradition of love that these words of Jesus break on our ears. They sound harsh. We hear the love of your Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your mind and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And those are good words, and they seem to be what Jesus emphasizes most of the time. So then when we arrive here and we hear hate, it stops us in our tracks. What is Jesus trying to say here? What, what is he talking about? I think one thing that, that, that can help us understand is looking at who Jesus is speaking with. You know, he's talking to this massive crowd of people, people who have come and gathered around him and followed him and listened to his teachings, sort of on the fringes. Jesus speaking to them is trying to tell them the cost of an admission. What does it really cost if you want to follow me, to be a disciple, to see God every day? And so the first thing he says is, whoever comes to me and doesn't hate father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. And not only is it shocking for us, it would have been shocking back then. I mean, they heard all of Jesus' teachings, all of them explaining about how we should live with one another and live correctly with God, and there's nothing of hate in there. But I wonder about shock as a sort of pedagogical tool. We have to remember that Jesus was a teacher. And as a teacher, you have many different tools that are in sort of your chest. I can think of teaching at Groton, and some days when the kids were too busy, you know, more interested in what was going on outside of the window, what I was saying, sometimes you would say something shocking to wake them up and to get them to pay attention. And I wonder if this is a little bit of what Jesus is doing. You know, life isn't all holding hands and singing kumbaya. There are real things that are going on if you choose to follow me. I think that's what he's saying. And to be honest with you, Jesus' words were actually less shocking than what actually happened. You know, people were expecting Jesus to come and to overthrow the Roman Empire, to bring in the kingdom. And instead, he submits himself to be crucified on the cross and then was raised again on the third day. Much more shocking and scandalous than what he is saying here. God, so much of the time, works unexpectedly in a different direction to which we think would be the right way to go. But still we have this hate parent and family, and even life itself, to continue on the path with him. The Swiss biblical scholar Francois Bourbon suggests that understanding hate as an emotion, something that we feel, might be our modern idea in 
And what Jesus is really talking about here is, is, is hate as an act, just as he talks about love as an act. But it's not so much of feeling negatively and rage and all of that, but a breaking away. Not a continued motion, but a turning away from. It was sort of their good Friday moment, something that they had to pass through to arrive at Easter Sunday. They're saying, I'm leaving these things behind me, and my focus is just on you, Jesus. And then he says another thing. He says, whoever doesn't carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I'm surprised Jesus didn't scare everybody away by these words, but he didn't. I mean, you know, carrying a cross is something onerous and something shameful. It was a real possible outcome for some of those who heard the words of Jesus. All of the apostles were killed from by crucifixion, and it was a real potential outcome for the original hearers of the Gospel of Luke. They were being persecuted. Their potential of death was high just by following Jesus. But I think underneath all of this, Jesus is trying to convey the serious truth that the becoming a disciple can carry a heavy cross, a heavy price. That becoming a disciple of Jesus isn't cheap. It's not someone you can just decide to follow along the road because you like what he says. In looking at these two things that Jesus will run summarizes by writing, in order to be accepted as a disciple, that is the bottom line of these two things, one must agree to make a break with one's origin and expect a future that is counter to common sense. Bovon really pulls on this idea of carrying a cross being something against common sense. You know, you'd want to follow someone who is promising riches or joy or happiness or all good things. But Jesus comes with what is counter to common sense. Then Jesus advises caution. He tells them to discern about their future. Two parables, someone building a tower and a king going to war. And what Jesus is emphasizing here, the word he uses in both of them is that they sit down and consider first. It's sort of a, a, a culturing of wisdom, of allowing that wisdom to grow within yourself, of sitting in quietness and considering the possibilities. Bavon refers to these two sketches as parables of self-examination. So Jesus says something shocking and then tells them to look inside. He's sort of saying to this mass group of people, people who hear a future in his words, to think about the cross. Think of what it may mean. Now these are lessons that may seem particularly of their time, not easily applied to our own lives. I mean, the costs are so very different. 
after you walk out of these doors today, I don't think any of you will be crucified. You probably won't experience persecution. You may get an odd look at people because, especially in New England, it's kind of weird to go to church on Sundays in some circles. So that might be what you are risking as far as that, but the stakes don't seem that high. But I would argue that the seriousness is still there. Because following Jesus, being a disciple, still means today breaking with our origin and expecting what is counter to common sense. And those things are not easy to do. To become something new, to become what God is calling us to be, there's always a turning away from what we were. When I was thinking about this, I thought about sort of ordained ministry. And I was talking to somebody the other week, and they had been thinking about going into the diaconate and becoming a deacon in the church. And then somewhere, somewhere along the way, she realized that that meant that she would have to leave her home church. And it's sort of a strange thing. You know, the thing that called me mostly into ministry were, was my loving, faithful community that I came from. And part of becoming a priest meant leaving that community. There's a break with old ways of thinking and old ways of being. And we all experience it in some shape or form in the course of our spiritual journey. We all feel that in some ways, a call to turn to something new. We see time and again in the Gospels, Jesus challenging people to break with the old. Just a few weeks ago, we read about Jesus healing on the Sabbath, and everybody was shocked because he was doing work, and Jesus says, you need to turn away from those things and see what God is doing directly in front of you. But we can think of all the times that he shared a meal with people he wasn't supposed to, with prostitutes and tax collectors, with the lowest of the low. And Jesus says, turn away from your cultural thinking about what is appropriate or what is good and see God in the midst around you. Jesus challenges us and calls us to turn away from what was so that we may be open to what will the second part, the idea to expect a future that is counter to common sense, is also still incredibly present with us. I think of the leaders of Trinity Church. Those of you that signed up for leadership three years ago, you never could have expected what would happen. I think of our Sunday school teachers, of our wardens, of vestry members. Who would have thought that we would have to live through going into a virtual world, that we would have to give up our church building, but yet God leads us through these things in unexpected ways. Having our live stream is a beautiful thing, because if you're not feeling well on a Sunday, you can still be with us. We have people joining us from the hospitals. We have people joining us from Newberry Court every week. We have people feeling in a way that they hadn't, but all of that was unexpected. Perhaps you can think of the trajectory of your own life. 
how much of it has gone to plan and how much of it hasn't. Has God led you to better things? Things that you didn't know were there for you? Has, has your journey led you to things that you don't understand? You can't make sense of? Because we've all experienced God working in the unexpected. This uh, God who is contrary to common sense. And really, at the core, that's who we are. We are a people contrary to common sense. At the heart of our faith is the great mystery that is counter to common sense because of the cross, because of Easter Day, we proclaim that in death we find life. We boldly say that even at the grave we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. That is counter to common sense. We believe that even in the darkest moments, there is hope to be found because Jesus, the light of the world, is with us. The non-common senseness of God is our hope. But are we prepared for it? That's where Jesus ends his teaching this morning gospel with an invitation. He says, Though there, so therefore none of you can become my disciples if you do not give up all your possessions. And here you have this rhetorical so therefore, tying it to the previous thing, tying it to the turning away, the break from the past. Tying it with expect the unexpected. Tying it with the sit down and think and discern. This teaching is part of that. Jesus is inviting us to take stock of and consider those things we must break with. Might be possessions, but I think it's more common a way of thinking or a way of being. We want to be, to follow Jesus. If we want to be disciples, we must begin first turning inwards, looking at our lives, asking hard questions, asking the questions, what, what do we need to break from? What is holding us back? What ways of being and thinking do we need to let go of? Once we examine, once we let go, be prepared. Be ready for the unexpected because it is in the contrary to common sense place that we find God. Our hope exists in that unlikely place. And it is the home where we truly belong. Amen.